So where do we start? Um, <clears throat> we're in a series on discipleship. Can you all remember back that far? <laughs> and we are still doing it. This is so big on my heart, I think we're going to be here a while. Um, I was having a conversation with um, one of my favorite people this week. And um, don't worry, you're all my favorite. <laughs> but uh, um, I always have these great conversations with this person. And he was talking about um, discipleship with me. And, and uh, we've been talking about Jesus' message is always follow me, right? And he, the, he pointed out something that I just never really noticed quite like this before. Do you notice that the first words... Jesus spoke to Peter was, follow me. The last words that he spoke to Peter was, follow me. And that was after the resurrection. That's in, that's in the dawning of the new age, the release of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh. That had not changed. The deepest place, the highest place, the most powerful place that we can go is, is Jesus' invitation, follow me. You see, the difference between a... Um, and you remember, let me say this, you remember what conversation that was in, that last one, that was he saying, do you love me? And, uh, you know, um, and this person also, such a wise person, also pointed out to me, yeah, remember this, like, we focus on um, follow me. Peter says, well, yeah, I love you. And he says, well, then, you know, feed, feed my sheep, tend, tend the lambs. And we focus on that part, but you realize that conversation is raising in intensity. Every time Jesus said, do you love me? And, and it's like, I already answered you. You have to figure... Peter was probably starting to get irritated. I don't know. Like, you're asking me again? And so this intensity is rising. So the most intense thing Jesus has to say is the most intense thing that we can do is follow him. You see, that's the difference between, um, between a convert. You know, the Jesus did not set out to make converts. There were plenty of people in his time, other, other rabbis and other sects were going on in his time and are still going on in our time, whose goal it is to make converts, but it was never Jesus' goal. It was never what his kingdom does. It's to make a disciple. The Great Commission was go make disciples. And you can go, uh, you know, there are, must be thousands of books, libraries on making disciples, on what discipleship is. And I have to say, I just, I'm burdened with, I don't think we actually still, after all those libraries of books, and you can, you can graduate from seminary, you can do all these things, and having a handle on like, what was discipleship, it's not even in our culture. I mean, we, we struggle to understand that, that he did not, seek to have people to, to just have like some, some mental ascent. Oh, I see that you're the one. But he was inviting into a follow me. So let's, let's define discipleship. Follow me. <laughs> that's, that's radically different than just, than just deciding he's the one. Okay, I, I accept your work over my life. Following him is radically different. Now, I thought... Um, weeks ago, much earlier in the series, I thought I was going to be teaching and talking on places that we follow him to. Like, who is he? If we're going to follow him, what kinds of places does he lead us through, and how does he do that? And I have to think we're still going to do that, but he keeps, he keeps kind of pressing me, like, like, not yet. Let's don't go there yet. So this morning, um, we're, we're not going to go there yet. We're going to talk about this invitation to follow. Um, 
And we're going to see how that's a miracle. <laughs> um, so, you know, I want to bring up one more story that, that I did teach on. We're not going to turn there. But I taught on this during this series, so I'm just going to bring it back to your memory. We talked about Jesus talking with the young ruler, right? Y'all remember this? And what's his question? He comes and says, um, how do I get eternal life? Tell me what I need to do. And Jesus meets him where he's at. In fact, Jesus, because of where he's at is kind of a weird place. Jesus' answer starts a little weird, doesn't it? He starts listing commandments, you know, don't murder. In other words, do a good job. And at first, if you know Jesus, you're kind of like, what a weird thing for Jesus to be doing. But a weird way to answer for Jesus. But he's meeting the guy where he's at. And then where does the conversation go? First, the guy gets pretty proud of himself. And he says, he says I've been doing that since I was a kid. I'm in, good sh- I'm in good shape then. And Jesus says, well, you lack one thing, though. You do lack one thing. And what's the one thing? Forsake everything, sell everything, and follow me. <laughs> now, I'm convinced we all, we still have that, we have that choice, don't we? We can, I believe there are lots of saved people, and look, I think Jesus is so good that, that the scripture is for real, okay? When the, when the word of God and when Jesus says, um, you b- believe and confess with your mouth that I am the Christ, you'll be saved, I believe it. <laughs> you're saved. It, it's absolutely, the word of God is true. It's unshakable. And yet there are, I believe that we, we have a church that is filled with lots and lots of people who have done that. They're saved, but they're missing out on all the privileges. Jesus said the kingdom is upon you and they're missing out on all the privileges of reaching out. Upon you means it's within your reach. You can reach out and grab it. It's for now and that only comes in following him. That only comes in where his presence is and we follow into that place. <laughs> Thanks for that encouragement. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, go to Luke fourteen twenty-five with me. And this is just to kind of set the state. We're going somewhere so good, but I want to give you a warning. As I start the message this morning, you're going to start to think that, that the Lord's intention or, or my intention is to heap on you like that you have to do good and, and to make you feel bad about where you're not following him, those areas of your life. I just want to tell you, um, don't, don't get stuck on that. We have to do this. To set the stage, I am not about to lay a legalism on you or a yoke heavier than Jesus would have you carry. That's not what I'm doing, okay? Everybody give me a nod so we're not going to do that. Okay, all right, starting in verse 25. Now great multitudes went to him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Harsh. (laughs) Wow. 27. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I'm going to keep reading, but let me just stop for a minute. I think, you know, we all know um, about the crucifixion. We know that Jesus did that for us. Um, We might even think about it a little bit during Easter season. (laughs) 
just have to put that out there, but you have to understand the people that he was speaking to in this moment, they saw people bearing their cross and go into the crucifixion on a regular cadence. They, they were intimately acquainted with those words. When he's saying those words, he's not making friends. He's talking about a real cost that they were way more well acquainted with than we are. He goes on, now, but now here's why we're reading this. I don't get so heavy. Y'all are looking heavy. Tell, tell your neighbor a joke or something since I'm not. <laughs> Verse 28, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. So listen, I want to tell you, that's what he's talking about the whole time. Count the costs. Now, here's what's, in other words, there is a cost. Can we start there? <laughs> but now, I'm convinced we look at that like, woo, you better count the cost before you follow Jesus and make sure you want to spend that much. You know what I'm saying? But let me tell you what I believe. I believe if that what Jesus is really saying here is if you count the cost of going the way of the world and you count the cost of choosing to be my, my disciple and follow me, you will find out that that you can't afford <laughs> not to follow me. And the cost of following the way of the world is way more expensive. You can't afford to choose that one. Now, I'm going to show you something. He's, I don't think his metaphors are randomly chosen. I, I, I think Jesus picks his words really carefully. And he, he chose here. He could have chose anything. He chose building a tower. And I'm going to tell you why. They knew in their t towers for them were the things that they put their confidence in. So he's saying count the cost. In other words, which is your high tower? Okay? Which is your security? And your future, your shield, where, where are, what establishes you? Count the cost of what it takes to build that. Now I'm going to read on um, verse 30. And it says, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now verse 31. Or what king going to make war against another king? I don't think he's randomly choosing his example does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000, or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. In other words, look, there's, two, there's various things Jesus is doing here. One is he's saying counting the cost of your tower, your security, your strength, what grounds you, okay? And he's also talking about the entry into a warfare, and he says that counting the cost, now look at this, counting the cost has to do with whether or not you're, you're going to make a compromise. Did you notice that? It ends by saying, um, if, if you count the cost and you say, I cannot win this war, then you go off and compromise. You ask conditions of peace. That's what that would be. They would be well acquainted with that too. You'd have to send off and you'd have to be ready to make concessions for peace, Right? And his kingdom's not a kingdom of compromise. Why do I say that? Because verse 33, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Yeah, wow. So, right? That's the whole discussion here is counting the costs. 
And the cost is bearing the cross and following, following him where he goes. Where does he go? All the way to death. <laughs> Forsaking all things, following him is all the way. See, see you see, what the, the, the thing that Jesus laid down for, for us is that you give up, you forsake all things in order to inherit all things. You completely die in order to be completely resurrected. That's where, he fo- that's where we follow him to. That speaks volumes about if we're going to be um, not just converts but disciples, people who actually live our days in a way that we, we follow him in our days, it means you're going down some, some roads <laughs> that have a cost. I promise you it will never be as high as the cost of finding your security in the world. But it, but it is a cost. You will, have, you will have daily, you know, weekly, whatever. You will have regular cadences of moments, of decisions that are the difference between just acknowledging that he is the Christ, that he is your rabbi, and actually being someone that follows him. I follow you where you go. Like, boy, that would not be my preference, Lord. How often do you do that? <laughs> that where, where we're going right now is not what I would choose, but, um, but I've, I've decided the cost of not following you is far higher than counting what, what it's going to cost me to follow you. See, the Word of God says that we are a slave to something. <laughs> It's just being a, being, a, being a servant or a slave of Jesus, his yoke is easy. Now, I'm going to show you why. Now, look, that's just the, uh, that's the intro. So um, what I want to tell you, we're going to go into some really powerful things the Lord's laid on my heart now because I want to tell you something. Refrain from throwing things at me right at first when it sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm teaching heresy. Um, I'm just going to make a statement here. Becoming a disciple is not a choice. (laughs) It's a miracle. I'm serious. Why do I say that? Your Your sin nature, what we have to bring, is not capable of deciding to take on the cost of following Jesus. It requires a miracle. So now look, what am I saying? That Where does that leave us? Like, you got to be kidding me. Exactly what my spirit craves. Exactly what des- God has designed me for. That I cannot be fulfilled unless I'm actually following Jesus. Everything that I need, I cannot do. <laughs> That's okay. There's good news here. So go with me. It's a miracle, and I'm not, I'm not hedging from that. It's, it's a miracle. You cannot choose it. You cannot do it. It's a miracle that he works, and I'm going to show you how it happens. I'm going to show you what opens the door to that miracle. Now, some of you are like, I'm already following Jesus there, brother. (laughs) And I know. So so bear with me. Here's what I want to challenge. You have areas of your life where you've counted the cost. You are a disciple of Jesus, and, man, you are going. Do you not? Raise your hand if you're one of those. You have those areas in your life. Okay. You also have areas in your life where you still have some things to relinquish. 
they still hold a value that's competing with Jesus. You follow me? You haven't sold everything and followed him. You know how you know when you're in one of those areas? Anybody felt anxiety this week over anything? That means your confidence is somewhere else. You're holding on to something you haven't sold yet. Like your preference in an election or something. <laughs> or, I mean, seriously, you name it. Look at the chaos. Look at the conflict. I don't care which political side you're on because that's just a silly world system anyway. We have a king. But, I mean, if, if you've had anxiety, if you've, if you've wondered about the future, if you should be prepping to be ready for this, or, or um, we're ready. Why are we ready? We have a king. <laughs> we're not even of that kingdom. Yeah, we've got to live in it, and, and I, you know, it's going to cause us trouble. Jesus promised you'd have trouble in the world. <laughs> but he's got other promises that trump. <laughs> um, that was, excuse that pun. <laughs> that, was, that, that, was not on, that was not on purpose. <laughs> that's, too, that's too funny. Am I blushing? <laughs> I think I started sweating. <laughs> so here it is. It's not a choice. It's a decision. Okay, go to Matthew 6, and this is where we're going to be. Starting in verse 22, it's going to be our main passage now. And the truth is, these are really famous places. These are not going to be um, scriptures that are obscure to you. You're going to be like, oh yeah, I know these. And I just, I'm just going to challenge you to like, like try and look with me um, like you're looking for the first time. Because I even noticed as the Lord led me to this, I was kind of, and this, this is what we should do next. I always kind of wait on that. What are we doing next? I don't want to just do something. As I saw it, I was kind of like, well, what are we going to do? Everybody knows that. What are we going to do with that? And then I had to bust my own perceptions to let the Lord begin to speak in this, even just to prepare. But I'm going to start reading verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Therefore the light that is, um, I'm sorry, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now listen, mammon, y'all know what that, um, we, generally speaking, we say that's money. But I want to tell you, when you look at the original language, um, it had, this has to do with um, its real definition is wealth personified or, or confidence deified. In other words, not just money, not just like, not just like the, this is so important, listen now, not just the worship of money or, or like, uh, it is literally um, a false god is what this is talking about, is setting up manners of security for yourself um, that are other than him. It's personifying, deifying this other security in your life. You got it? 
Now, let me tell you the tragic thing. Normally, these two verses, what did we just get? We got the light that enters. In other words, the, the truth, the, the truth, what we absorb from the, um, from the outside that comes into the depths of who we are, when that light is darkness, how great is the darkness, right? In other words, he paints a pretty hopeless picture. And then the second thing we have is he's talking about serving two masters and really talking about, in other words, where do we put our confidence? Okay, we have those two things. And the tragic thing, so many times, in fact, I've probably done it, so often this is taught in a way that, that we, we teach that as if this, what we just read, is the message of Jesus here. Are you following me? And let me tell you something, it's not. This is a common way that they taught in fact, I guess we still do. I just did it. I had a big old intro. This is his big old intro. He is merely laying the context for what he really has to say. That's, that's all that is going on here. Okay, you're going to see why that's important. Okay, so um, read on with me, Matthew 6, 25, okay? This is the do not worry part, probably even more famous than that first part. It says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, and what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you'll put on. You see, listen to me. It's not strange that he's talking about worry. And because he just talked about how you interpret the world and how that becomes a part of your soul. Do you know that this world is always speaking messages over you, over your identity? It's telling an untrue story, and I'm going to show you how. There's a true story that is the light that comes into your eye, but there's an untrue story always being spoken over you. Okay, let me read on. <laughs> let me read on. It's quiet. Am I getting too intense? Okay, all right. goes on, Jesus speaking, says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now listen to me, church. <laughs> this, we finally got to what Jesus is really talking about in all of this. He's talking about your value. See, you know, I'm going to tell you something. This is what happens. We've read that passage so many times that when we, when we hear Jesus' question, are you not of more value than they? We think that the matter is settled in our heart. Come on. Don't leave me alone. How many of you know? You read that and you think, of course I know that. Of course I know I'm of more value than a bird. But Jesus is challenging something here, and he's challenging you. Uh, <laughs> he's challenging you to recognize that the matter's not settled. How can I prove it? Have you worried about anything this week? We're going to go into really good things here before we're done, but just before I move on too fast, recognize with me that it's, it's value. It's knowing his value for you. In other words, let's say that another way. Your value through his eyes is the release into these things of the kingdom is being a disciple. Now, why do I have to say that? Because the cost of following him is very, very high. Now, let me tell you something. If you are not secure in your value with him, then the cost is too high to follow him. 
that that'll be the conclusion you'll make. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to show you why. Um, he goes on in verse 27 and shows the silliness of doing what I just said. He says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Okay, now keep going with me. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Does God care about your glory? <laughs> yeah, in fact, it's the whole invitation, right? He's, he's inviting you into glory. That's a value statement. That's his value for value for you. Now look, there was two things here. One was provision, right? The birds of the air thing is all about provision. And are you not more valuable than they? The second one is your glory. Can you imagine that extravagant love? He goes and says, um, not, not one of these, verse 30. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, in other words, now listen, if he so clothes that that's not eternal, which, because he says, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? <laughs> Ouch. Look, do you know that this, in this passage, in fact, I think, it, the first time all morning, we use the word faith. But for sure in this passage, it's the first time faith is mentioned. Faith in what? See, I love that. I love that every answer was different. <laughs> I think that's cool. Um, and I want to tell you, it's very specific. What is he talking about? He's talking about faith that God values you. That's what this whole passage is about. Do you know if you don't know God's extravagant value for you, you're sunk. I'm serious, you're sunk. And that's a miracle. That's healing. That's the revelation of God over you. That's, that's nothing short of the greatest miracle that can ever happen in the universe. And I want to tell you the greatest thing to ever have faith in is that God values you. Do you know it's not hard to have faith that God is God? <laughs> we experience that every day, like it or not. It's not hard to have faith that God can, can accomplish whatever he wants for those that he loves. Do you know it's really easy to believe? Who's tracking with me? It's really easy to believe that God, in his, in his extravagant love, can accomplish, can bring about whatever he wants for those that he loves. Do you know what's hard to have faith in? <laughs> that he loves you. <laughs> that you're included in that, that you're on the A-team, you're, you're in the in-crowd. This is, because what is this? You have to follow this. He talks about the birds of the air. He talks about clothing the grass of a field with the crown, with lilies, with a crown of glory. And then he immediately, he ends with, um, O you of little faith. <laughs> now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? It's a funny thing. The Greek word you means you. 
you, will he not so much more clothe you? And then he says, oh, you of little faith. In other words, faith, faith in what? Faith in his value for you. Isn't that crazy? And when we read this back in the bird part where it says, are you not of much more value than they? How many times I've just read on at lightning speed and thought, well, of course. And then before the hour's up, I'm worrying about something. <laughs> right? In other words, I, it wasn't, the matter wasn't settled. As much as I might have thought it was, um, I had a real problem coming to grips with how much he values me. Yeah. Yeah, that was really impacting for me. Let me tell you what, as I was studying this to prepare for the day, I, for today, I had some quiet moments. <laughs> I had to sit in that for a while. I had to sit in the conviction of, uh, of, Lord, how much do I not know your extravagant value for me? The way you see me through your eyes. Can I someday understand how much you value me so that I can actually follow <laughs> instead of be a convert who, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but yeah, but do you follow? Like, is it, do you understand my love for you so much that you'll follow me anywhere because you know how much I value you? You see, in, in their culture, um, we make it really easy for people to believe, and I'm talking about the church, okay? The, the church. We make it really easy for people to believe that you can become a disciple of Jesus without much cost. <laughs> yeah, whoa. <laughs> it's, a, it's a terrible curse to, to be given to people, some, some crazy belief like that. And yet... What is it? It's, you know, I said it's not a choice. It's a miracle. How can that be? How does that miracle happen? It's when you know the extravagant value that you fall head over heels into such a love, <laughs> into such a safety and security that the cost to follow everything else in the world is more costly than not following. So the miracle is coming to the healed place, the place where you know him accurately as one who, who has that, that high value for you. That's the miracle. I want to tell you something. When that's in place, you can't help but follow. And you read about it all through the scriptures. If we were going to be here for three, four hours today, we could go through a whole bunch of stories where people couldn't help but follow. He didn't lure them in with bait or anything. <laughs> they just found themselves following him around. They couldn't, it was, like, it was like a holy addiction. They couldn't quit. That's pretty good, huh? <laughs> if you knew your value in his eyes, if we, just, if we could have a glimpse... Lord, in fact, maybe that's what we'll do today. We just need a moment for him to give us a glimpse of what he sees over you when he looks at you, when he sings over you, when he dances over you, he, when he gloats about you in the courts of heaven.
when he makes good plans for you and sends angels out to make them happen so that you're rising in your destinies. He's crazy about you like that. That's value. You see, you don't seek a kingdom. We don't seek a kingdom or to be part of a kingdom that doesn't have value for us. And you know, let me let you in on a secret you already know. Do you know that this world does not have any value for you? It will fake as if it does continually. It has zero value for you. Okay, now watch this. Watch how good God is. Verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. I like the way that's worded so much in the New King James. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm not even going to worry about it tomorrow, right? The way that's worded is tomorrow can worry about tomorrow. I'm not worrying about nothing. I wish I was actually that mature in my faith. I'm just saying that's kind of cool. <laughs> Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now listen, I'm going to focus where we, where we always do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. Now, I'm going to tell you what I saw more clearly than ever this week is um, seeking wrongly will tell an untrue story. Are you following me? You see, let me tell you what I think we do. We enter the kingdom of God as paupers or as leftovers. We think, boy, I barely slunked in even though... Even though I'm fairly worthless and I don't have much value for the kingdom, I kind of just barely made it in. And we enter that way instead of recognizing that we've come in because he has extravagant love. He has extreme value for us, right? <laughs> so, so here's what we do. We, um, Lord, help me with this. I want to do this well. What, um, we do this backwards. It's not that he's saying if you don't seek the kingdom, your reward for seeking the kingdom first is I'm going to give you these, I'm going to give you everything else. Or, or even worse, what we do is we think, well, if I'm living a life where I'm not seeking the kingdom first, then he's going to withhold these other things from me. <laughs> right? As if that's even like, could even be true about the nature of who he is and how much value he has for you. You see, it's not that. I'm going to tell you what's going on here. Why is it so devastating to seek wrongly, to not seek the kingdom of God first? And I'm going to tell you why. Because when we seek that way, an untrue story is told. Listen to me. Every disappointment, every blessing delayed, everything that, like the blessing is coming, God's good for all of his promises, but the blessing delayed, the period of waiting, even that will tell an untrue story. Every, every bad thing that happens, every disappointment in our lives will be, get, listen, will lie about your value. <laughs> It'll begin to have a value message about you that will actually cause like not like Jesus has to do this it, it actually causes the withholding of the other things 
You see, seeking the kingdom of heaven first, the kingdom of God first, aligns our perspective with the way he sees us and we'll be living in a true story. We will be living in a story that tells the truth about your value. Every disappointment, every time somebody hurt you, when the friend betrayed you this last week, or, or pol- political results don't go where you like, I keep throwing that in there because I know there's heaviness and anxiety out there. I'm, I'm, I'm with people. I've had some of my own. That's why I keep putting that out there. Every, everything that happens in life will create a heaviness. Why? Why will it have that much power over you? Because seeking wrong, looking for your high tower or your glory or your safety, your security, you keep naming everything else that only comes from God, seeking wrongly will tell an untrue story about your value every time. This whole discussion from Jesus is a discussion of, of your value in his eyes. And having a kingdom grip on that is your freedom from worry. Do you know what else? I'm put something else out there. Go ahead and accuse me of a prosperity gospel if you want to. It's also your freedom to release the blessings of God. Like, like let's not pass over it. It says, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these shall be added to you. Look, it's not an if-then. I'm not trying to set up... To, to set up a religious, earn it kind of faith. That is not, I don't believe it says that. I don't believe it's like I seek the kingdom and his righteousness so that I can have all these other things. No, that's not it. It's just a truth of someone who lives with the fullness of their value in their rabbi's eyes is someone that has positioned themselves for the blessings of God. Because it says that right there. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. There's only two reasons why we would not seek the kingdom first. I'm going to tell you what those are next week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. That's, that would just be mean. <laughs> One is we don't know who he is, right? We, we, we've not settled on the fact that he's good. That, that's really just the first reason or that he's got love for you. Um, the second is we haven't arrived at a faith, what Jesus is teaching here, in his value for me. You see, in their culture, they really did forsake everything. That We read, sell everything and follow him, like, and we kind of go, oh, like, <laughs> like, that's just too hard, like, wow. But in their culture, they were well acquainted with that. There was no other way to, to go with a rabbi. <laughs> that's how it worked. <laughs> it was impossible to even fool yourself into thinking you were following a rabbi because they, like, in the physical, they were literally doing it. They literally had to relinquish everything and go off and try and be exactly like the rabbi. Go everywhere he went, do everything he does, um, copy, learn from him, and right? And, and we look at it and sell everything you have and follow him. Discipleship, instead of convertism or something, is it's exactly the same. It's just we don't really have a model for it. And I want to tell you that the only way we ever like move into the realm of becoming a disciple and one who follows him is, um, 
is to have a grasp on, you have to have a faith, a total trust that that rabbi has a value for you. Would you ever follow somebody? Sell everything and forsake everything to follow somebody that you weren't absolutely convinced valued you. And I tell you, the, the weight that God put on my heart this week is that, is that we, have, we have a poisonous condition where we, the hardest thing in the world to believe is that he values you. And it's, it's pretty much the door. It's the counting the cost. It's being able to follow even when you stop and count the costs of discipleship. You, you would never do that. In fact, I'm just going to put out there, it would be foolish to follow <laughs> without counting the cost. That's what he lays out. And you would not do that without knowing your value. Cost is too high. We can't accept salvation as a leftover. You see, that's the thing. You're not a leftover. You're not somebody who barely squeaked in. He had a plan for you from the beginning. He knit you in the womb for destinies and purposes. He always knew you were going to be a son of God and a disciple of his. You're not a leftover. But now look, I understand. Here's the thing. I understand that what we're talking about are miracles. <laughs> Coming to a place where, where we actually have a faith in how much he values us is a miracle. It requires a deep work of God to heal the places where we've been battered. And it, re it requires... His presence, <laughs> warming us with that love, like love we've never experienced before. It requires all of that. And I just, you know, um, I just want to put out there, uh, I want to invite you that um, perhaps this week, do some counting the cost. What is that? What is that? Ask him to give you a revelation of his value for you. In fact, with, with your permission, in just a moment, I'm going to suggest we do that right now. We take a few moments and we ask him to, to give a revelation, okay? It's a journey. It's a journey into our value. I've had moments in my life that have been so overwhelming, they've just... They've just grounded me in his love, just put me on the ground in his love to where you can't deny how he sees me. You cannot deny his value for me. I've also had long, painful, healing, growing seasons where I had to walk through some things where he was not willing for me not to know his value for me. And in order to get from here to there, was going to be a long, painful, grueling road to arrive at, wow, you really value me, don't you? You're somebody I can follow without reserve. So if you will, um, is it okay if we do that? Y'all want to invite the Spirit to speak? Okay. Okay.
All right, just take a posture of receptivity. Maybe you, maybe you open your hands up. Close your eyes if you're comfortable with that. Take some deep breaths. And recognize that even as you breathe, you are breathing in the spirit of the living God as his presence is around you and in you. Let an awareness of his presence come. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to each heart right now. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit. And will you provide a glimpse of those places where we do not yet know your value for us? Now, Lord, I ask that you would grant a sense, a word, or a picture of your great value for us in that place. in the name of Jesus. I speak healing in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that in these places that you are releasing new open roads new open doors, places where we struggled to follow you before, we're now just going to be able to follow you in the name of Jesus. We're asking that, that with, with abandon, without reserve, um, without any concern of what the cost is going to be going this way, we're now going to have a new health and a new freedom, in fact, a new faith in your value for us in this place. We release you, Holy Spirit. We invite you. We ask you with all reverence, Holy Spirit, to be opening roads and opening doors. We're going to follow you in the name of Jesus. We are following into new places, places of your kingdom. You are releasing gifts in the name of Jesus, gifts being released to new ministries, new, new power for the kingdom of God is being released 
in the name of Jesus. We are not converts. We declare this before a spiritual audience. We're disciples of Jesus. And we follow you where you go, Jesus. We ask you for complete and, um, and unhindered freedom to follow you to the blessed places, to the hard places, the challenging places, everywhere you want to go, we're going. We're going with you, Jesus. <laughs> we're going with you, Jesus. The cost is worth it to us, Jesus. We want you to know that because we know the value you have for us. Mm -hmm.